Hello, people of the void. You're listening to Fairy Tale Folklore and Fuckery. So, today you can obviously hear my voice is messed up. So, I brought in a co host this week. Give a round of applause to Alex. Hey, guys. Yay. This is my first time hosting a podcast. <laughs> Perfect. So, you're in for a really special special treat. You uh, You read my script, you know how much lovely and amazing things you're gonna have to say today so I hope you're excited today super fun time to say it is all about Nepal so that's what the random country generator decided to choose um and obviously I personally didn't know anything about Nepal before I researched it what about you do you know anything about it not really just that it was somewhere near India that's about it (laughs) Well, yeah, I didn't even know that because, as you know, I'm very directionally challenged. That I know. (laughs) That is very true. It is stuck in between India and Tibet, um, and it is actually most known for their really tall-ass mountains because they have Mount Everest, which, again, did not know. I was just told a few interesting facts about Nepal before we started this podcast today. Um, So one thing we found out was that they've never had a religious war, which is absolutely insane coming from America because we basically have those all of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing that was pretty interesting is they have a lot of gods and goddesses and like child deities. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about one later in this podcast. And another fact is they play polo like we do, but on elephants, Last fun fact, though, their constitution was only created in 2015, which is insane because that was only seven years ago. Yeah, I know. When I was researching everything, I learned that they like had a monarch until 2008. And then after that, they were like, "Now nah, we want a president. And then they switched <laughs> it over. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, I know, but it's been working ever since because they've never had a war. And That's they're like, awesome. land of peace, basically. Yeah. So, obviously, before starting these stories, I love to do a little shout-out to any organization founded and created in that country that influences, impacts, and inspires others to look into fairy tales or folklore. Last week, we talked a little bit about the Fairy Tale Museum in Cyprus, and this week, we're going to talk about the Nepali Folklore Society, and that is, and I quote, a nonprofit and non-political organization that is dedicated to the research, study, and preservation of folklore in Nepal. The main goal of the Nepali Folklore Society is to collect and document literature and folk art from all the groups in Nepal and to preserve it as a part of the country's history. What do you think about that? I think that's really cool. I don't know if we have anything like that here, but... I don't know. We have 50 states, so maybe one of them, someone cares. There's got to be something. There has to be, but, like, who knows? Because, like, we were only made, like, 50 years ago, 500 years ago or less. When was America... America created Well, what? you know, our independence uh, came in 1776. <coughs> yes. Declaration of Independence. So it's been, like, it's been more than 50 years, dude. No, 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 no. Oh, wait. I know, I know, I know. It's like 300. We're almost a year 300. Something like that. Something like that because I remember watching a, um Instagram post story and this lady was like, she was doing an amazing um, poetry rendition and in it she was talking about how like, empires fall at like year 250 to 300 somewhere in between there and she was like we're on year like we're a year um before it falls and she was like i can't wait for the next year 
And it was like, ooh, <laughs> it was a really good poetry thing. I'll have to find it for you. Well, I think this conversation shows just how great our American education system is. Oh, 100%. Because we're, we're such a mess, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but this super cool um, Nepali folklore organization is pretty interesting because they also involve other countries and they talk to them about their folklore folk tales and similarities and the differences um, and bring awareness to the history so it like never dies out. And fun fact, the capital of Nepal, Mundu, Kathmandu, is known as a living cultural museum because of how many centuries of history still resides in it. And I forgot to mention this last week, but I will be putting sources in these stories down below. So if you are curious, go check them out. And shout out to the internet because it's truly amazing because I was doing so much research uh, how so many things came up um, whereas like if this were the 90s you know when Alex was born I probably <laughs> wouldn't be able to find anything but anyways our first fairy tale is recommended by um, some random guy from our school that's from Nepal shout out to him my little co-host Alex is gonna take it away the title is called um, the legend of the waves and like we said, this is a story that comes straight from Nepal. Uh, so basically, there's like this young kid uh, named Jenko who's like dirt, dirt broke. And he'd walk around a beach playing his guitar and busking for some cash monies. And people would dance while he played his songs. But he, when he got older and became a total babe, uh, he just he never wanted to dance with anyone. Basically, he didn't want to give them the wrong idea because he was so broke, he wouldn't be able to give them anything or take them out on dates, um, wouldn't be able to fulfill them. So it was just him and his guitar forever by the sea that he was really in love with. And then one day, some fishermen asked Jenko to watch their nets so they could make some sails in town since he was already chilling over there and he started to sing and play music for the sea as usual. So one day some fishermen asked Jenko to watch their nets so they could go make some sails in town since he was already chilling there and he started to sing some songs and play his guitar for the sea as usual. And while waiting there, uh, he saw this huge whirlpool reveal some guy that was basically King Neptune. Wasn't he called like a czar? Yeah, he was he said he was the czar of the sea. That's right. Uh, yeah, but you know, Basically the same thing. Think like Little Mermaid, King Neptune. That's yeah. basically who this guy was. Cool. Yeah. So Neptune said he and his daughters love the singing and playing they heard from Janko all the time. And if he throws a net out to sea, uh, Janko will get paid for his singing. And if he likes the payment, then he can come down and play for them at the Sea Palace. That sounds like very Atlantis-esque. Like, right. first off, how are you going to get down to the bottom of the sea? You're a human. You can't breathe all the way down there. Yeah, just figure it out. Apparently, that's all he was <laughs> telling him was like, we love to hear you down there. And also, if you're underwater, how could you even hear any of it? Because, like, wouldn't the sound just be disturbed? Sea ears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That's why it's a fairy tale. I guess. Yeah. I want to analyze this so hard. <laughs> But yeah, so Neptune says all that, and then he just dips out. Mm. And then Jenko was like, yeah, why the hell not? Threw a net out, and he pulled it up, and there was this coffer, is what it said, uh, which is basically like a treasure chest. And he opened it up, and there was like a shit ton of like 
gems and stones and rubies like super expensive and remember i said he was dirt broke yeah so he was like oh yeah this is what i'm about he was so thrilled he was like i can eat bread finally yes he was stoked speaking of bread after he hid those stones the fisherman came back the next day so he'd been out there for like a whole day and night and they paid him with bread (laughs) (laughs) he uh took some of the stones that he had taken out and went to the market and sold those all and gets enough money to set up his own booth to sell whatever he wanted and he started making some buco books but like all these ladies were really into him still because like i said he was super handsome and everything and he still just wasn't in it um and then one day he decided to go back to the sea and play some more and he threw offerings into the sea for his true love, um, including a beautiful necklace. Well, one day he goes to sea with a crew and a giant storm hits. And Janko was like, oh yeah, I was supposed to go see Neptune again. And he just jumps ship with his guitar and that stops the storm. It's kind of like when Prince Eric jumps into the ocean to try to save Ariel. And it's just like, but bro, she's a fish. She's fine. I promise. Yeah, um, one of us can breathe under the water, and it's not you. <laughs> basically, basically. Yeah, but um, somehow I guess he could breathe. After he jumps into the sea, the storm just suddenly stops, and the the ship makes it back to shore fine, and Jinko continues to swim down until he reaches the very bottom. And then he looks off into the distance and sees this giant pink palace um and he walks in he just waltzes it into the palace and is like hey my bad i forgot about you but i'm here i wonder how many years he forgot about him yeah i don't know like the the fairy tale wasn't very clear or specific about that it's just like clear that it'd been a while mm-hmm. and neptune was basically like now that you're here let's hear that music dude and so he played from and I thought this was kind of funny. Like, Neptune's this really big guy. He gets up and starts dancing, and it just shakes the entire ocean floor and everything. How many volcanoes do you think erupted because of that? All of them. All the volcanoes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, he, he plays some music, and then um, he's like, dude, that was dope. Marry one of my daughters. And Shenko was like, no one is as fine as the sea. The sea is the only love I got, like, no one, no one's going to do it for me. Uh, but then his daughters come out, and his youngest, Janko uh, looked at her and was like, actually, she's as fine as the sea. Uh, the fairy tale went on talking about how her eyes reminded him of the way the stars shined into the sea and reflected, and her hair was like long and dark and reminded him of the dark waves during the night and everything. So he was like, yeah, I'll take her. And um, then when he gets closer, he sees she's wearing the necklace he threw into the sea as an offering. So he was like, yeah, this is the one. Fate. Fate brought them together. Absolutely. So uh, Neptune marries Jenko off to his daughter. They have like this huge feast and then they're going to bed that night she's got her own palace by the way so like they they go off on their own they're laying in bed and she's like i hope you never forget about me and he's like ov's not like i love you and then they go to sleep 
and he rolls over one way, he rolls back over the other way, his foot touches hers, and that wakes him up, and turns out he was sleeping on the shore next to the sea, just woke up all alone. So no one really knows what happened after that, but there are like a few versions. One version says that he just decides to go back to the market and continue selling whatever he was selling before. Or the other version says he jumped back in the sea to find her. Alrighty, so the next folktale is about the Lake from the Nuari culture. If I mispronounce anything, I do apologize to any native speakers who may or may not listen in on this one. But I am just a poor American college student that knows, like, no languages other than English. Guys, like, I literally almost failed Spanish. Like, I'm, it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> um, so, anyways, Alaki is known as a demon that came to eat humans because it's carnivorous. Oh, my God. <laughs> it has a huge head with red skin and test-shaped teeth. You know, like an Ice Age with Diego the Tiger? Oh, and some of them are protectors and others wreak havoc. Okay, but the demon we're talking about today is the infamous Majip... What is it? Majipa Laki, also known as the Peaceful Bairav. Damn. I could be pronouncing every word incorrectly. <laughs> I am also a poor American college student. <laughs> We are not fluent in anything other than English, so we do apologize if we offend. Anyway, so as all stories began, he, of course, fell in love with a hot young thing from... Manjupatan. I'm not even going to try pronouncing anything any longer because it's uh, it's a little scary. She just keeps pointing at me. Basically. Um, but in the olden days, that's what those were called. So this pretty woman was... Walking down the street. I am forcing so much upon her. It is so funny. Was actually walking to a farm all alone because her parents were sick. And that's where he saw her. And of course, Cupid's arrow always strikes when you see her alone. Um, and he fell madly in love. I think it's gross. What do you think? Well, I'm getting married in like a week. So I think that's pretty cute. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, so he saw her from afar, and of course, that literally, when I was reading this, I was like, that's some total Joe from you shit, because, like, why are you staring at me? Just leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. But according to this gorgeous Whitney Houston type of woman, she fell for him, too, and he was like, oh, it's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. <laughs> basically done for it and she's like yes but then the disaster strikes because these two forgot about the parents dun 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 how do you forget your parents because they were sick remember so oh, she yeah. was just like probably saw him alone damn i forgot about the parents too <laughs> basically but when they learned that he was a lackey lucky lucky i quit my life <laughs> They said, absolutely not. Are you out of your fucking mind? And they were like, you know, we could call the whole village and kill you, right? And our little lackey was like, ayo, I'm staying and I love her and I'm going to marry her. But like, fine, if you have to kill me now, do it because I would rather die than not marry her. He's so dramatic. I don't know, that reminds me of that other song. Why you gotta be so rude? <laughs> 
That is true. That is the perfect song for it, though. Oh, and then his little woman said, me too. Like, y'all chill. This is not Shakespeare. You are not most certainly not Romeo and Juliet. And this isn't West Side Story either. But actually, it, it kind of low-key is because they're from two different backgrounds. But mm. also, it's not because I won't spoil it. But, like, it kind of is, right, from West Side Story? Basically the same thing. Just a little bit. The parents basically said bet. And the villagers came and were like, actually... We could get some good money for you and turn him into the king. The Lockie then begged and pleaded and was all, but I love her and I won't kill anyone. Pinky swear. And the king was like, okay, but can I really believe that? What are you going to do instead? And the Lockie was like, I guess, you know, meat and eggs sound good enough besides human flesh. And apparently... The lackey in the story didn't have his name until the king gave it to him. So interestingly enough, lackey in the Nuwari language means meat and eggs. Which, oh, that's why he was like, meat and eggs are pretty good. He was named meat and eggs. Basically. (laughs) The king was like, okay, okay, I'll let you live in the city if, if you protect the kids from these other demons. Because apparently... There were other demons ready to snatch up these kids and make them super, whoa, supper. <laughs> I knew I knew writing that, too, that I was going to say it wrong. <laughs> Why didn't you just spell it right? I thought that is how you spell it. Supper is S-U-P-P-E-R. A moment of silence for my intelligence. Pretty please. All right, moment of silence is over. Oh, my goodness. And obviously the lackey was like, oh, 100%, 10%, bro. Like, but the king was like, no, 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 he's lying. And then he sent these kids to make sure the demon wouldn't eat or kill him. Like, can you imagine basically being one of these sacrificial kids to see if you're going to eat him? So you're just like going about your day. And the king's like, I command you to go to the lackey's house. And they're like, mm, okay, I guess. Like, you're eight. You're like, why not? You know, maybe the king was like, I'll bribe you with some bread. Because, you know, you're poor. And then they, he just sent these kids. And, like, honestly, reading that, I was like, damn. Like, I, how did you even get these kids? Like, honestly, did they have to do rock, paper, scissors? And whoever lost, like, had to go? And then just be the sacrificial lamb? Saddest loss of their life, I'm sure. No, seriously. Whatever life is left. <laughs> but it also reminds me of, like, the biblical thing. Because with Isaac and Abraham and God. Yeah. Because God was like, Abraham, go take Isaac to this mountain and kill him to prove your loyalty and love to me. And then Isaac, like, didn't know anything. It was going up this mountain with his with his dad, trusting him 110%. Like, what is with these trustworthy figures, like, ready to kill everything for for some god or for some demon? Like, I don't understand. Um, because, you know, when you really believe something, you you will do whatever you can, whatever you're told. I guess. But these poor children, they're like seven. Like, how would they know anything? But I mean, even then, like, king kind of has the power to execute and all that. And so it's like, either I'm dying by the king for saying no, or I'm dying by this locket. So, like, <laughs> it's just, it's a lose-lose situation, man. It really just sounds like it. Those poor kids. But, anyway, the lackey passed the test, and because... He ended up just playing with the kid, basically playing tag with him for three times. And the third time, he was like, all right, little shit, you're annoying. And as all parents wish they could do with their kids when they say or do something super dumb, 
so much so that you're so flabbergasted that this tiny human came out of your body. He kicked the kid out of his house. So if you are a parent, you know, good luck with that. You have to keep him. <laughs> um, but then everyone in town saw this and was like, okay, we finally trust you. And he was invited to their festival of... Yena Puni, um, also known as Indra Jatra. You're saying it better than I would. I guess. Sounds about right. This festival was and still is the biggest religious street festival in Kathmandu, Nepal, which is the capital of Nepal. And when he would go to these festivals, he had a really cool dance that he would do that would be because in the Nuari heritage, a combo of Hindu, Buddhist, and Nuari traditions is not just a representation of the Nuari community, but also of the micro-schism of wider Nepali celebrations of different religions and faith. I definitely pulled that from an article um, because I had to look up what micro-schisms was. But basically, all of his dance and this festival um, is a representation of Nuari and is a combination of the Hindu, Buddhist, and Nuari traditions, which are super cool. But this story... I could not find out if he ends up with his pretty woman because most of the plots of the story talk about the significance of him staying in the village and watching over the kids than straight up talking about his wife. I mean, my assumption is he does end up with her because, like, that was the whole point of, like, the kids going to him, like, to see if he was trustworthy enough not to eat them. So, like, he gained their trust, and I gotta say he probably got the girl. I, I think so, and then I was also reading about how they had, um, like, when they do this dance and everything, because they do it every year, a person has to wear, like, this giant wacky mask, and then they also bring out a woman to, like, represent the beautiful woman in the story, so I'm assuming it's it's going to end up the same, too, but I guess. I mean, sad if he doesn't get the girl, but at least he's accepted now. Yeah, and he's the only demon that is trusted. Fuck the rest. Apparently. (laughs) Okay, so finally, this is the fucked up tale. Now, I am not going to be calling this one a fucked up tale because it does have a really big religious significance to a culture I almost know nothing about. So I'm going to be really careful here. But this story was really intriguing because I found it hard to grasp. One, because I'm an American, and two, because... I don't have kids, so I wouldn't really know how this feels. But I know my co-host is about to become a teacher, God willing. You know, so it might be... Certainly hope so, because otherwise these years in college have been fucking worthless, and every dime I spent... (laughs) Yikes. Everybody pray for her. She's hopefully going to pass college. You have, like, a semester left. You'll be good. One more fucking semester. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So... Basically, we're going to be talking about the Kumeri, or the virgin or living goddesses. So, in Nepal, they have a ritual where the highest priest screens underage girls from the Nuwari community, because that is where they've been coming from for centuries. And these girls are not, are only allowed to be the next Kumari or a virgin or a living goddess if they have not hit puberty yet. And so when they do this, they have to see who has the most potential and the most qualities of the goddess. And whoever becomes the Kumari Devi or child deity will live in this huge temple. Well, 
they're interviewed for 32 characteristics. So these girls are from ages 3 to 8. So they're interviewed for 32 characteristics. Some of these include the physical, and this is literally grabbed from quote from NPR, um, physical perfection among them, thighs like a deer, chest like a lion, and eyelashes like a cow. What the fuck? Yeah. So they have to be really, really specific, but I just want to know why, like, eyelashes of a cow is in there. But why? Because, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I think I I found the the reasoning for that. Okay. But most girls that get to become the living goddesses um, are obviously between ages three and eight. And they usually stay goddesses until about 12 to 15 because that's when they become, and I put this in quotes, impure because not only do they like grow into women but they are seen as untrustworthy in a way they're seen as like once you become like 15 your interest is going to change from like the temple and religion to boys and then the priests are like you could go out and tell people the secrets of the temple and they don't trust them after that because they're like oh you could go anywhere and tell because this is like such a religious significance that's been done for centuries that they just like they got it they got it down to to a pat basically i guess i just would assume that like if you kept them in they're less likely to go out and tell that's what i was thinking too because i was like they've only known a life in this temple so like why would they tell anybody else about it especially if some of them are starting at the age of three like that's everything that they know basically and they only get to see their family once a week so like basically who raises them is like the workers in the temple and the priests around them and everything Jeez. yeah it's it's kind of crazy but once they are released from their duty they literally just go from being on the top of the world to nothing the significance of this entire um, thing is they're seen as the reincarnation of the Hindu goddess Durga. There are many myths of Durga, but one of them goes that she was visiting the king of Mala dynasty, and he basically kept trying to have sex with her, and obviously she was furious because, you a man who thinks he's entitled to a goddess, disgusting. But then she appears to him in a dream and tells him, find a child from the Shakya cast and i will enter her soul and you can worship her as you worshiped me so i when i read that i was like kind of confused because i was like so does that mean like he could mess around with you in a kid or does it mean like worship you as in like bring you food goals and jewelry what are your thoughts Again, still uncomfortable, Um, but, like, again, this is not my culture, but, I I mean, I think just, like, she didn't want him to have sex with her as she was as a goddess, like, he's not, she's not necessarily saying he should have sex with this child. Um, Yeah. I don't... Who the fuck do you think you are that you're so special that you can fuck a freaking goddess like you're a nothing human being basically (laughs) it's like what she's like being so generous too she's like uh you pissed me off but i'm gonna come back i'm gonna come back and like haunt you basically yeah within in the form of a child i think that's what her vibe was um but anyways so the king obviously says yes and that's how the goddess is born um, this living goddess has either powers to grant or ignore people's wishes. 
like she can apparently feel their wishes of the people that come to her. So this is really interesting because one of the Kumari Chamira Bajracharya. Yeah, that was one of the last ones. And one of the sources I read was from NPR and she was interviewed and she said, my behavior is not in my control. There is someone supreme over me that makes me listen to their prayers or just ignore them. You feel, you know, supreme. She then mysteriously adds, you're not only, you're not you actually, which I think is pretty interesting. But like, how do you think you would feel being five and in control of basically a whole country and their people? Because, like, you start at, like, three or four or five. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, remember the kind of child I was when I was five um, and the amount of immaturity. Um, But, of course, they're raised a different way. But it's just, like, I feel like no matter how you're raised, a a kid's going to be a kid. They're going to be a little shit. So, like, (laughs) I can't imagine yeah and you know what's even crazier when like she gets worshipped by everybody first off she can't even like walk on the ground she has to be carried everywhere and if she is touching the ground she has like a red carpet rolled out but she has to basically sit there for six to seven hours without resting or eating and just seeing people so no nap time Yeah, so, like, she's basically, I just can't imagine, like, a four-year-old sitting there without crying and, like, wanting food or wanting anything. But according to this culture, like, when the goddess, like, fills you, like, you don't need those things, I guess, as much as, like, a regular human being would. And so, like, it gives the kid, like, patience and, like, all of those traits that you would see in, like, I would assume... A, an older woman like a really older woman like in her 60s or so I just feel like the attention span couldn't possibly be there but yeah. like if they are supposedly taken over by this goddess I mean it's not the typical four-year-old five-year-old whatever year old attention span there would be yeah I just think that's crazy but you know what's even crazier they like in 2000 before 2008 when their monarch died died out kings would travel all over the world to see her and when the monarchs did get abolished the president even came and bowed before her and the Nepalese government pays like pays her for what she's done i don't know if that's like after she gets out that she gets paid or like during so she has like a little savings account for when she leaves and like if it's after is it just like one lump sum or is she like paid for the rest of her life i don't know but basically once she's done what i got from it all was once you're kicked out you're nothing like these girls go from being on top of the world to literally just being some regular regular person on the street like they don't and one of the interviews i saw um one of the women who used to be a kumari um she's like now in her late 50s it looked like and she was still trying to be worshipped like she was um a kumari again that's depressing it really was because she had like all of these like old foods surrounding her feet and she was just sitting stoic like not looking at anything or listening to the interviewer beside her because it was her um niece that was talking to the interviewer and they were like, why doesn't she just go? And she's like, she won't. She refuses. She wants to be worshipped like she still is. It was, like, really sad to look at. I mean, they say that the, like, hardest things to get past are, um, 
get over are things that you've learned as a child, whether it's like your attitude, the way you act, and all of that is it's hard to break those habits. At least harder to break those habits. Yeah. But this tradition like started in 1757 AD, which is in year 877 in the Nuari calendar. Oh, so they have a different calendar than... Oh, yeah, they have a really different calendar. Oh. Like, their years, they're far beyond us, according to their years. Okay. I can't remember how much, but I remember reading, like, they are definitely... It's very, very different. But um, this is also a pretty interesting um, story because it's a Hindu goddess, but even, like, Buddhists, like, will believe in it and, like, praise her, too. So it's, like, a really mixed... Um, thing and that's also how at the very beginning when I said like they have never gotten into a religious war that's kind of how it is because they live together so their traditions meet with other traditions and their religions are basically both teaching about peace so there's never been a war there and fun fact they've never even had an independence day because they've never even gotten conquered like wow yeah that's crazy I wonder how many other places have never been conquered before. I don't know. I really don't. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. But one big thing about this entire tradition is that a lot of people have said that this is robbing girls of their childhoods. And in most recent years... Nepal has ratified this Convention on the Rights of the Child, and it says that you can't exploit children in the name of culture, um, which a one of Nepal's leading human rights lawyers, uh, Sapana Pradama Mala, told um, The Guardian, but I got this source from ABC News. Um, so that was pretty interesting to read, that like they're basically... F- each of these Kumari girls are forced to give up their childhood. um, And then once they get out, like it's a very cruel world for them because they weren't able to go to school and read and learn and everything. And like teachers will get on them and people will be quite rude to them because they don't understand anything of what happened. I think it might be the American in me, but it makes me think of like childhood actors, like, especially the ones who like started acting when they were really little but like didn't continue well into their adulthood or something so like how much they missed out when they did drop out of acting Mm. um and then also that idea that like you're so special in certain people's eyes and then suddenly you're not you're just like one of us common folk (laughs) Yeah, it's even crazier because, like, as they get older, one belief is that if an ex-Kumari marries, her husband will die shortly after. So they, like, still even carry that stigma around and, like, that, you know, like, tradition So not only death. does it rob them of their childhood, like, they, they just don't get to live a normal life point blank, period. I mean, some of them, I guess it's whatever they choose to do after their Because this is, like, every decade they have to choose a new girl. Because she gets on her period. They basically don't get a choice whether they become the Kumari or not. And then it's like, you you don't get to choose. You become it. And then there's all these, like, supposed things. Like, of course, you'd probably live a single life because you're scared 
that if you did fall in love, that person would die. Like, mm-hmm. so you just, you don't really get a choice that's free from guilt or anything. Yeah. Like, your whole life is this. Even when you're gotten rid of because of the impurity of being a girl or whatever. <laughs> your impurity of having a period. A normal... Disgusting. ...thing that every woman has to go through. Oh, we are just the grossest. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> but, I don't know. Like I said, this isn't like a fucked up story. This is just a very interesting story that we decided to, to find. So I hope you enjoyed fairy tale folklore and fuckery. Tune in next Wednesday for tales of another country that I won't know about until next Tuesday with stories that are spicy, shocking, and scary.